I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. So we're back. Version 2.0. Um, new and improved with with my my bestie Brad. <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. working that you're working on this. I know, I am too. And I mean, you are such an important person. It's, it's my secret weapon for keep going. You know, <laughs> third like about 30 years or am so. Am I responsible for your career? You are. <laughs> I owe it all to you, Brad. <laughs> kind of. No. No, 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 no. Um, uh, you uh, were there when I laid the, the foundation for... Of the Claw Empire. Of the Claw Empire. <laughs> Telling you to stop. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, you know, that was just... That wasn't career, right? But it, it, weirdly, it is part of my career now. Yeah. But, you know, I was thinking recently that uh, about all these... You know, musicians that died in their 20s and how they left like this insane legacy and how... You should have died in your 20s. <laughs> no, but the, the legacy I would have left from my 20s was not the, not the legacy... That you want? That I want or the impactful. But, you know, maybe like the most like wild and creative time, but it didn't really like translate... Um, the genius. You're late. <laughs> In my 20s or we're something. Late. We're both late bloomers. We're late bloomers. But like wh- when when is the appropriate time to peak? Is it in your 20s? Uh, is it dude, in your- it's whenever you peak. Come on. There's okay. Like, you know, mid 30s. That- mid 30s. Shout out to the mid 30s. <laughs> <laughs> That was my peak. Yeah, mine too. Mine too. Now we're like on the other side of the mountain <laughs> heading down into the valley. Right? Yeah. But it can be a lush valley. It's okay. So we're back from this long hiatus. I broke my leg. You I did shattered my <laughs> kneecap and had my bone sticking out of my knee and was literally disabled for months. Couldn't sort of get off the couch except for to pee. But even that, and they didn't want me to get up. But I was like, I'm not freaking <laughs> peeing in this like freaking bedpan in my living room while like I'm looking out the like ew what about it depends (laughs) (laughs) honey can you come get my depends and bring me another one (laughs) I bought depends for the women's march (laughs) and I bought them for all of my homegirls and I was like listen I got us depends in case we can't like pee anywhere we could just pee no one wanted my damn depends and we went like between like the cars we didn't need the depends. I wore my depends and pulled them down to pee. Nice. <laughs> so, you anybody were... want a used pair of depends that wasn't to have no urine in it? <laughs> Holler at me. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you're so gonna regret that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I was really excited. Also, they were 
fashion depends, and they were like in different like fashion colors. Oh, so like、God. you didn't have to feel like you were wearing a white、right. diaper. Right. Like you're like wearing a lavender diaper, <laughs> which is infinitely better. Oh yeah, obviously, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But when you mix yellow and purple, you get brown. It's、What? not. That's not cute. Like,、uh, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I don't know if it actually changed color on the、uh, on the pad. I、part. wonder if there's anybody who's like, you know, taken home a one night stand and pulled off a pair of Depends. Thought like, this is going to be good. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this is here. We are, Rory. We're just in the toilet. A lot of my life is spent、um, in the toilet. In the- <laughs> Toilet area, yes, close, close. Got to keep it close. Anyway,、um, yeah, I'm here to keep you in line. Yes. So Brad is、uh, a, an acclaimed musician. What do you tell us who you are? It doesn't matter. I'm here to produce this show and make you sound number as one good da- as you sound to me. Number one dad, <laughs> downtown king. It doesn't matter. We'll put it on the website. <laughs> I don't want to waste time with that here. Okay, it'll come out. You shattered your leg, but now you're better. Now I'm better. I'm I'm、uh, I'm in pain. I'm not fully a hundred percent mobile, but I'm much better. I'm doing my physical therapy, and I I want to get well. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm but you're ready、myself. to cast, and here we are. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. Indeed. We're here at Acast Studios, which is a pretty awesome place to record. Yeah. So we have some very exciting guests. Oh yeah, coming、uh, down the pipeline for the the future. We're coming out every two weeks. For now, we'll for probably now. go. You know, can you? So I guess what I wanted to to kind of bring up in the beginning here is this show is not like the only the, the audience should not just be people interested in graffiti. No. And why? Tell me why that is. Because you've got a, a lot loftier aims. Uh, this show is really about subcultures and how they go from micro to macro, how they sort of impact society at large, and how they sort of inform people to form communities. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, did I just say I that? Like that I was wasn't、good. expecting that. I know just, you didn't even have that written down. No,、um, but. <laughs> And I also feel like the graffiti community really has had such a huge impact on you know popular culture at large. And it's what you know. I mean, you're the, you're you know. It's the only you know goddamn guest we can get. <laughs> <laughs> And let's transition to today's guest because this is a good one. Yes. So today's guest is. Someone I've known for a, a very long time, for、uh, over twenty years. I worked with、um, who is one of the gatekeepers of graffiti and the way that graffiti and street art are sort of like viewed by the public. Someone who's sort of bringing it into popular culture in a big way. Mr. Roger Gassman. Yes, this is a good one, and he's got this show right now that's pretty amazing happening. It's a, you still it, got time to catch it, right? You guys have days to check this out. Beyond the Streets Art dot com, Beyond the Streets Kent Avenue, 
Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It is a museum-like show showcasing some very important people within the subculture. So go check out my staircase where real graffiti should be. Yo! (laughs) (laughs) Go see the show. He's still got a few days. Or follow my stories because I repost everybody who goes stand in front of my wall. Okay? So holler. (laughs) And, um... Yeah, let's get right into it. Here's Roger. So we are here today with an old friend of mine, uh, my old editor-in-chief of Swindle Magazine, someone who indirectly introduced me to Miss 17, or maybe directly, sort of. Weirdly. Indirectly. Indirectly, all right. Directly and indirectly. Directly and indirectly. And someone who's very important in my life. Thank you. Um, Mr. Roger Gassman. <laughs> Come on, studio audience. Get it together. Um. Where are they? Can you put in some good sound effects? Our audience shows up later. No, it's just me single clapping by myself and my uh, my jingling of my bracelets. I'll bring sound effects next time. Um, Rogers in New York doing a big show of graffiti and street art, our faves, called Beyond the Streets. It's in Williamsburg. Open till August. End of August. End of oh, open till end of August. Hear it here first, kids. We just put tickets on sale through I think August twenty fifth. Amazing. Did you go? Brad has to go. Come on, Brad. I'm waiting for the the cousins to come. In I have town. um I have some more free tickets. We'll 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 get we'll get a we'll get a code from Roger. All right, all right. That's <laughs> what you get. That's what you get when you're part of gold mines. Okay, <laughs> VIPs, yo. Well, right. Okay. So Roger, I want to talk so to every, you. So everyone should just reach out to Claudia for a code. Oh yes, reach out for me for a code and I'll ignore you. Don't worry. I don't have any See, left. She took all of them. I did. I did. I have a lot of you know. I have a lot of friends and nieces and nephews with little friends. They need to be educated. So Roger, tell us about Beyond the Streets, L.A. versus New York. What are the big differences? I decided I wanted to punish myself some more. Okay. So coming to New York seemed like an awesome idea. <laughs> How do you like the um, the weather? The weather's fine so far. Uh, hey, I'm only he, a block away. From right, he the space. is wearing a um, track jacket, and it's like 90 degrees out. Anyway, whatever. You love it. You're like all weather. Fashion all. first, baby. <laughs> yeah. what, what's the difference though? Uh, L.A. was a half grimy warehouse in Chinatown okay. with some great indoor outdoor space. The whole show, including the outdoor space, was 50,000, 60,000 square feet. It was awesome. It was still one of the bigger shows that's been launched of this type, of this culture. It was the biggest, maybe, square footage-wise? Or how would you, like, how would you, like, artist-wise, square footage-wise, how are you basing, like, big? You know what I mean? Big? For L.A., I mean, it was one of the most comprehensive shows there's been uh, on the topic. And I I guess I should back up. Beyond the Streets is not a history show. It's not a history of L.A. It's not a history of New York. It's not a history of graffiti and street art. It's about artists, for the most part, that have gone from the streets to have true, true studio practices, careers based off of graffiti, careers based off of street art and or what they learned on the streets— and artists then that draw tons of inspiration 
from the streets and put that into their works or documenters. If you want to hear Roger talk like that, watch the CBS uh, This Morning um, interview because I have other questions to ask you besides that. Now, do you feel a studio practice is so important for graffiti art? Does that make you a better graffiti artist if you are painting paintings? Painting paintings doesn't make you a better graffiti artist. It just makes you a different type of artist. Okay. And, I mean, maybe people don't know, but you were a graffiti writer, obsessed with graffiti, sort of obsessed with the illegality of it. How do you feel sort of nurturing artists and participants in the show that haven't exactly done their like due diligence as graffiti artists when I know there's a side of you as they're, you know, and, and this is difficult because we're like both not civilians. You know what I mean? Like when people interview you, they're like, ask you sort of basic questions. Does making like, how do you judge a great graffiti artist as the, ask, cur- as the curator? You just asked me like 16 questions. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm trying to boil it. Okay. okay. Shot your leg, Tom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. We got an hour. Okay. Go. What's, what, <laughs> what's more important, a studio practice or like bombing? For you, Roger, in your heart, not as a curator. They're both equally important. It just depends on where the artist is in their life at that time. You know, bombing is awesome. I love seeing true illegal raw graffiti on the street. The more raw it is, the more exciting and and interesting to me it is. Uh, Being in New York the last several months, walking around even down here in Chinatown, the streets are still pretty live and there's a lot of work going on and it's great to see. But then I can also go to someone's studio that hasn't been working on the street in 15, 20 years and be just as inspired. Like it's completely different. And often what that person is doing or what those artists are doing on the street are still inspiring that artist that's in that studio that hasn't been on the street in 20-some years. A hundred percent. So they're both important. So how do you think one can elevate graffiti culture um, by... Changing sort of like people's minds about what graffiti is without having like sort of the people that really keep it, keep it in the street. I don't think you're ever going to change the general public, no matter how smart they are. It's point of view on illegal graffiti. If it's Tags, throw-ups, rooftops, stickers, scribe tags, all of that. Some of them are going to enjoy it, but they're Scratchy. always going to yeah, they're always <laughs> going to look at it as straight graffiti, no matter how beautiful and elegant it is and how much of it it is. The only way, the main way, I should say, you're going to change people's point of views is showing how that can then turn into institutions, turn into studio practices turn into other ways to showcase the work. Okay. What do you now, not as curator and not as the representative of a bunch of different artists, but what do you prefer, graffiti or street art? Like just in your heart. Graffiti. 
Please. <laughs> um, where? I like I like bad graffiti too. I mean, like a lot of my friends laugh at me. I love pedestrian graffiti more so than anything. And for me, pedestrian graffiti is you know Tom loves Jane or go buy tacos at this location, uh, a silly dick drawn on a wall, you know, something where you just grab a can of spray paint and you're Cole drunk. Roger no for a good time, right? Absolutely. <laughs> now, pedestrian graffiti is the best. It really is because, yeah, like, so, you know, bathroom graffiti. And, um, yeah, that, I mean, I always find that to be interesting. I find, like, globally the most popular... Subject of pedestrian graffiti is Tupac. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, no matter where you go, it's always like, I love Tupac. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> um, where do you see the shift? Hold on, let's talk about your shirt. It's very painterly of you today. Do you like it? It's I like um, it. it's Liz Claiborne. It's vintage Liz Claiborne. It's cute, right? It's adorable. Yeah, I wore it for you. Because, you should right? you should describe it to everyone because they can't see it. Um, I have tiny little palettes on my on my blouse with little paintbrush. I'm gonna be in a documentary later. I have to get dressed up. You should see how I usually dress. <laughs> um, where do you see the shift? In the streets, sort of from graffiti to sort of street art, like where do you see, because I, I see like as sort of like a couple of people really change the landscape on like what street art is. Street art is the safer word between street art and graffiti. Correct. No question. And of course, street art is the word that gets used the most and is used the most in the press. But it's also used for a different subculture than... Street art is used in an improper way all of the time. Not because I think people are stupid, just because they haven't been educated So you think they should be called like these people who do like legal sanctions? They're muralists. It's not street art. No, they might... I think... I was really bitter on all these murals going on for years that were called street art. In the last few years, I've come around and... I really love it. I'm excited it's happening. Whether I think the art is good or not, it shows how far the culture's gone. Mm -hmm. The artists are often inspired by graffiti. They're often inspired by true street art. They're using their techniques. You can go in the art store and buy stencil kits. You can go buy the spray paint. Like, it shows how far the culture's gone. So now we just need to educate people. There's graffiti, there's street art, there's murals. But where do you think, and like what time period, like what do you think happened to change sort of... You or the changing fa- The Banksy and Shepard Ferry effect. See, I disagree. I think it happened way before that. I think it was cost and revs. And it's cost they- and revs if you're an insider. It's Banksy right. and Shepard for so, the general public and the mural culture. So listen, I'm sorry. I'm going to like break your balls because I'm your friend. But the fact that cost and revs were so, um, such a huge force in sort of evolving graffiti and what graffiti was into this different realm, sort of using advertising and street posters and that sort of birth Shepherd Ferry. Why not have them in the show? I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> okay. Um, because cost, it's such an important sure. thing and people but don't know. Cost and revs, absolutely, incredibly important for what they did uh, with all the things you just said, so I don't need to repeat it. But they were still, in a sense, unless you were in New York at the time, there's no social media. They're insider baseball. 
you know, the general public. Completely, is, completely. So right now, why the culture is where it is, uh, Banksy and Shepard Ferry will tell you that cost and revs are huge influences on them, as well as uh, the Freedom Tunnel and things like that, sure. which were just such oddity and crossovers between graffiti and street art. Totally, I agree. But they weren't mainstream enough for the general public in the world to catch on. The world wasn't ready. And also, I think, of course, you can just blame almost any spread of culture right now with social media. So, you know, the Banksy and Shepard Ferry effect really come into play. Why aren't Cost and Revs in the show? I'll back that up with a few things. Everyone is in the show. Everyone that's in Beyond the Streets, we worked directly with. We worked with them. They wanted to be in the show. Most of the work is created for the show. And by artists creating new work for the show. All for very specific reasons. Um, of course, some of the deceased artists we didn't get to work with directly. Right. Um, so, Revs does not participate. No, he does not participate. Shows. I imagine it would be incredibly difficult. Okay. We reached out and uh, he politely declined. Okay. So, I don't want to disrespect artists. Do you think and it would be disrespectful if you were to, let, let's say, you were to borrow, acquire, buy, whatever, however you want to put I it? I have some. I'm sorry. Of course you do, Roger. Um, but do you think that's wrong to yes. include an artist that don't want to give you like up-to-date work? Do you think that they would have said, no, I don't want you to have my old stuff in the show? In general, or are we talking about revs? We're talking about revs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, in general and with revs, I don't want to put artists in the show that don't want to be in the show and have their work shown in this light. Uh, there's a lot of important artists that aren't in the show. Some right. just didn't respond here and there that I won't mention. Mm-hmm. And some of them just didn't have time. And some of them don't want to have their work shown in this light. And I think since we're inside the culture, I think it is important, and I know it's important for us to respect those wishes. I, I agree with that. I, I think that's a totally um, fair answer. I'm looking at it as like a spectator, an incredibly educated spectator. So it's sort of an un, you know what I mean? I mean, if you said you didn't want to be in the show, I wouldn't put something in there. And if I put in a collage or two paintings I got 12 years ago from a friend, you'd probably show up and be bummed, right? No, that's the best shit I ever did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, like if you ask not to be in the show. I, I think that, I think that, I think that's fair. Um... In your opinion, who is, in your heart, like, the person or, like, your biggest influence in graffiti that got you starting to write graffiti? Forget about curating. Like, what or who inspired you to want to paint? I wouldn't say there was something really, really particular, but there's a few instances I can easily talk about. Um, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, Bethesda, Maryland, Washington, D.C. area. I'm going to punk rock and hardcore shows. Everyone has a tag. Everyone's writing graffiti. Everyone's straight edge. Of course, I'm aware of hip hop. This is the very early 90s, but no one has anything to do with hip hop than my group of friends. Of course, you know, they might have a Beastie Boys and Run DMC record and a Tribe Called Quest and know about that, but graffiti has nothing to do with hip hop. It's going to hardcore shows. It's writing your name on stuff, and it's being straight edge. And by eighth end of eighth grade, beginning of ninth grade, I had a group of friends that were a little older than me 
that were a lot better at it, knew what they were doing, and were in bands. They were traveling to New Jersey on the weekend to see a show. They were playing downtown. They knew people that were, these. they were a few years older than me. They knew people a few years older than them. And I have one friend in particular, Brian McTernan, who wrote Rage, R-A-G-E, from mm-hmm. NAA crew, New Age artist, formerly Big Time Graffiti, BTG. Breaking it down, breaking it down. And um, he was in a band called Ashes. He had been in a band called Battery, and they were popular in this world. And we'd go to see them play on a Thursday night in New Jersey. And we'd drive there as a ninth grade, and I'd meet somebody in the band Strife who wrote Bus from MSK. And it's 1994, and I start trading photos with them. Um, so You literally th- have the worst taste in music, my God. <laughs> hey. So through that— Shout out to all my hardcore peeps, yo. <laughs> through, through, through that, I met so many people and was exposed to so many things. It really was— uh, well, I have a lot of friends I was with that were, in a sense, more instrumental and more my partners doing things. It was connections and early um, eyes being opened by that. I remember a trip to the beach the summer between 8th and ninth grade, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, Maryland. The best. Been Literally there. the best. Grotto beach. Pizza. Yeah. Um, I went with um, my old friend Megan and her family and her older brother. Very gay, Rehoboth Beach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my peeps. Shout out to my gays in Rehoboth. I'm, um, I'm, I'm coming to visit. Do, yeah. <laughs> Whack them all. Whack them all. <laughs> so um, her older brother was friends with all these guys. Okay. And um, I remember he took me out, and he was a skinhead, and he was into graffiti. And um, that kind of kicked it off. Like, there's some really particular early moments that I can pretty vividly remember. So I guess, you know, for me... I got another one. Okay. I'm going to keep you keep you going. Oh, keep me going. I was in Chicago in ninth or 10th grade, I don't remember, early. I had no idea what I was doing. I was a shit graffiti writer then. Okay, especially. what was your tag? I don't even remember what I was writing there in ninth... And it was before I started writing Clears. Uh, I don't remember. I was in between a lot of different names, I'll tell you that. Um, and it was, I was in Chicago. I stayed with Agent from DTE and AWR, and he was probably in his early 20s. I got connected with him through SMK. I had no reason to connect with him. I was, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Oh, these, these and, uh, uh, graffiti. He took, he took me to a, a THC house party, and they're like, do you break? Do you break? I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And it was some crazy, illegal, you know, breakdance house party and uh, Chicago (laughs) and uh, I met East I met ages and uh, they showed me about old paint to collect they showed me about caps they showed me about so many things they started trading pictures and they were both big early influences also and just that whole do you break really opened up my eyes to the culture and made me want to learn about histories so then you're writing graffiti then you have this very entrepreneurial thought, like, these caps are hard to find. Why don't I make some caps? How did that happen? How did caps happen? How did Um, caps happen? Because that was a huge um, wave for you. 
Getting caps was a pain in the ass. You'd go to the hardware store. You'd go to the art supply store. You'd take caps off of shit. You remember that? Yeah, I sure sure do. And then you'd have nail polish remover. You'd clean your caps. With a little safety pin. You'd spill the nail polish remover. Everything would stink like it sucked. I never did that. Never? No. Spilled nail polish remover? No, I'm a pro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had also, like, I would have little tiny cups with, like, each one soaking. I, I had a whole system. I didn't. Um, <laughs> Bong water I spilled, but not not uh, nail polish. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's uh, even worse, I think. Yeah, it's even, oh. It sucked buying them. You'd send way too much money to someone, and they'd never send you the caps back. So who was who was wheeling dealing caps? Was it someone from Europe? Who was Very doing- few people were selling caps. Flashbacks Magazine, Poem had caps. Oh. And uh, I remember getting my first bulk shipment of caps. I bought it from Poem. I was like, these are expensive. This sucks. So what was it like per cap? Like, And this is 20 years ago. Hey, I know. civilian in the room, can you tell me why you guys have to order caps? Because, okay, so the stock caps that come on spray paint, while some people actually prefer to use them and it's like a whole style now, I particularly didn't like them. You couldn't really get so much control. They would sort of like blast paint out and it would just like drip and you couldn't control. With these caps, you could get a wide line, a thin line, kind of anything in between. So there were like specific caps for Krylon, specific caps for Rust-Oleum. Roger made both. And then he made this New York skinny cap. Uh... Or no, the New York, it was the New York fat that worked on both or something. The Rosto worked on more. Rosto worked on more. All right. <laughs> I still use those caps that I think you gave me like 20 years ago. I have bags of them. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I, it's my preferred cap, the New York fat, right? The black with the yeah. black metal. I use it on everything. I still use it. Cap of choice. Because you can do skinny and you can do fat. So you can sort of do both without having to switch. Especially with the Euro paint, you can. Especially with the Euro paint. Shout out. Shout out to Roger for being so future minded. Okay. So then you bought caps from this guy and then you were like, how, like, how can I set up my own manufacturing for caps? Like, because you were like a young a very young man. It was expensive. This is probably 94, 95. Okay. I was 16, 17 years old. And it was expensive. I got the caps from Poem. He was totally nice, polite gentleman. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at him. He needed to make a buck. Sure. And he had to get them. But there was much more of a need for caps than I was going to be doing. Uh, there was much more of a need for caps. And just buying them wholesale from Poem wasn't going to work. So I figured... I got to find out where the hell these things come from. I already had a network of artists that I was dealing with and trading photos around the country uh, because I was on tour with all those hardcore bands and meeting people. Don't forget the music you hate. Beautiful, beautiful, melodic, hardcore. Why don't you sing for us? (laughs) Um, And it's a trade secret. I still don't want to give up. Oh, uh, blessings, blessings. All right. Let's hear from we, young Roger. We, Still, uh, we found out where to get them. You found out where to get them. I thought maybe you had like set up your own mold, and but you were buying. We looked like, into doing molding. We did all kinds of different research, and in the end, we I don't want to say hustled, but sort of uh, talked our way around getting them from the manufacturer, the true manufacturer, the Krylon, and everyone else was getting them from, and they don't want to sell you. Caps, of course, unless you're a paint manufacturer, as you can imagine. Right. They're called actuators. Huh. 
There's male and female actuators. The caps you use are male, and then once in a while you'll see a cap without the little stick in it that are female. Get it? Uh, right. No, I know. I know all about the man. I know all about all the male and female parts. <laughs> they also call call those in electronics as well. That's right. So I'm well. I'm well versed. I'm well versed. So I had we, a baby come out of my vagina. I know. I know how it works. <laughs> so we figured out how to get actuators. Okay. And um, actualizing actuators. I'm into this. We got three kinds: the New York fat kind, the New York thin kind, and the rusto fat kind. And then these fucking asshole American spray paint companies decided to trip you up and change their entire cap to a female cap, right? And ruin my business. And ruin your business. But there but Europe came in and said, "Don't worry, we're keeping it." Europe kind of fucked my business up a little bit beforehand with the influx of all the European paint and the 68,000 different types of tips that go on the cans now. Uh, it definitely, in the last 10 years, the cap business has faded out. Well, hence, still, hence curating, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> I went straight from caps to curating. Um, caps were a great hustle for years. They we'd, were. I'm, we'd sell them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, everybody get, needed them. Everybody wanted them. And you had to buy them. I lowered the price. I changed it. It was like 7 bucks or 8 bucks plus $2 shipping for 100 caps. It was cheap. Yeah, I, that's really cheap. I was going to say that seems. I had a PO seems... box. I was getting you know fifty to a couple hundred dollars a day in it for years. It funded while you were sleeping magazine. It did all kinds of things. Caps were great. So I get pizza all the time. Now you right? I, I mean, there was this pizza I'm spot, sure. Vincent Dominic's, right behind Montgomery Mall, which was right near where my PO box was. So I'd usually take that seven bucks and go get two slices and a root beer. Oh, almost every day. Roger. The pizza spot's not there anymore, though. Thank God you were being fed from your cap business because <laughs> I mean, what? Why else do it? Agree. So now you're wheeling and dealing caps, you're trading photos, and you a light goes off in your head, and you're like, why don't I start a fucking magazine? Correct? Some, Something like yeah, that? Well, a little that, bit? That sounds a lot better. All right. <laughs> I like your version of the story. How did, how did while you're sleeping happen? I had a bunch of friends that were graphic designers that were a little bit older than me. Um, it was cool. You'd get a Mac computer, you'd become a graph designer. You were coming out of graffiti. It's, you know, mid to late 90s at this point. You probably had a lot of friends doing the same thing, right? Um, making magazines? Designers. Yeah, everybody was a graphic designer. Yes. Exactly. You went from graffiti to graphic designer half the time, right? Except for Brad. He went from guitar player to graphic, graphic designer. <laughs> and then back to uh, music. But you did. Yeah, every, I mean. Digitized. Yeah, I had to get digitized, duh. I mean, so he, just so you know, Brad taught me how to use Illustrator. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and he made the first vector claw. I mean, he did. Thank you, Brad. In, in the 90s, <laughs> blessings to Brad, okay? No claw money, no Brad, okay? Um, <laughs> or damn you, Brad. <laughs> or, yeah, infested the world. Um, so we, uh, okay, so everybody's a graphic designer, so you're like, okay, let's put you to work, motherfuckers? Like, what? Basically, like, okay. I had a shitload of photos from around the world because I was trading photos with everybody. And people were always interested in my photo collection. I had dozens and dozens of photo albums of shit people hadn't seen. Unless... They were traveling for the most part or trading pictures. And so what I, was going on with graffiti magazines then? I, there was I also Crazy a, Kings. I had a di- hold on, I also <laughs> I also had a distribution network cuz I was selling caps. So I had all these stores around the country. 
Young Entrepreneur Roger. There was a 12-ounce profit. Uh, okay, but that scribble. wasn't a magazine. That wasn't like a magazine. There was, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. You're right. You're right. You're right. There was Crazy Kings. There There's, was On the Go. There's a shitload of them from Europe. Jump Backs from Berlin. Do you remember Jump Backs? I do. I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Anyway. <laughs> um, but... There really wasn't an American, a consistent there, American yeah, graffiti there, there magazine? Yeah, there was Scribble. There was 12-ounce profit. Oh. There was On The Go. Uh, there were a couple. But On The Go had like five issues. On The Go had like 20-some issues. Oh, I don't know. I only read five. Maybe more. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll see what I know. Um, es- Espo was the first person I ever interviewed for issue number one of Why You Were Sleeping. And I asked him a lot of ignorant questions. And did he appreciate it or not appreciate it? I think he was probably like, who's this fucking idiot? Right, right, <laughs> but, right. But um, we got the magazine out. Uh, Tower Records. Without Tower Records, there would have been none of this. Uh, without Tower Records, there would have been much less of the zine culture, much less of these smaller magazines. Tower Records supported it. They'd order your entire print run and they'd send you a check right away. R.I.P. Tower Records. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, a lot of, you know... People owe Tower Records a lot. A lot. Of CDs yeah. were stolen from there. Yes. Yeah, I, oh, indeed. I, I, indeed, I, I, they I were. Owe Tower, <laughs> I owe Tower Records a huge debt. Without Tower Records, we wouldn't have done what we did. Okay, so now you realize, like this, people are into this magazine. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, we added stuff to it. The first issue was 24 pages, all graffiti. I was a great place to sell my caps through. Right. And then all of a sudden, somebody wanted to buy an ad for 500 bucks. Somebody wanted to send me. Porno to review in the mail. Somebody wanted to send me CDs of their band. Someone wanted to give me free tickets to a concert. Uh, someone was sending me T-shirts to maybe write about them. I was like, huh, this could work. And we added some more pages. And then we added some more pages. And, uh, you know, you unfortunately or unfortunately met 17. I did. Depends on your mood in the day. Um, That was w- like... A super crazy interview because at the time I think Zephyr did the interview and Zephyr's wife at the time took the photos and they were both super dear friends of mine and I didn't really want to do it. Um, And he was like, you have to, you have to. So I kind of reluctantly went and there was this little girl with a shaved head and a broken foot. And uh, we just started talking. Now, Roger, your magazine wanted the women of New York graffiti to put on sexy dresses. <laughs> and sexy, eyes wide shut, Mardi Gras masks. I think that was Zephyr. I mean, it was, I, but this is where Seventeen and I like bonded. Because I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. And she was like, I'm not doing that either. So everybody went (laughs) to go change in the van. And she and I sat there and we're like, what? I I don't remember much about that story. Other than (laughs) Zephyr wanted to do a Women of New York City graffiti story. And him and uh, Deb went and knocked it out. That's right. And he sent it to me. That's right. Um, I easily could have said everyone should do that. And... uh, so could a Zephyr. Yeah. Well, I'm I hundred <laughs> percent. And his and 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 Deb. 
as well. Yeah. She was like, come on, get dressed. Um, yeah, she was a, she was definitely a bit of a director at that point with what she was doing. So That magazine, and I'm sorry for breaking your balls, was so fucking sexist. Yeah. Look who was writing it. It was a whole bunch of male graffiti writers. Do you feel, um, are you proud of that work? Because I cannot find any information on it online. It has been scrubbed off the internet. You can find magazines here and there, but I remember always seeing articles and stuff, and I wanted to, like, get more, like, specific, and there was nothing wrong. We had a horrible website, so there's definitely not much that ever even went up online when we were a magazine. Okay. So there weren't tons of records of it um, that way. Uh, you can buy old issues you once in a while on eBay. Right. Uh, if you just type in Why You Were Sleeping magazine, you definitely see covers and some photos from it pop up here and there. But there's not a ton of it. I mean, if you look at Swindle magazine, I was going. That's not brings a ton me of it to my second, either. my second, uh, my second part. Uh, also, then you close while you're sleeping. And you wanted to start another magazine. You can't find Pop Smear online. You can't find 12 Ons. You can't find a lot of this stuff online. So there's nothing Because to do I was going to, are you, aren't you proud of Swindle Magazine? Swindle Magazine was great. I think While You Were Sleeping Magazine was great. With While You Were Sleeping, I made so many relationships right. that I still have to this day. And it really was my college education. Well, I look at magazines now and everybody wants to be Swindle Magazine. I completely agree with you. <laughs> I go to the newsstand and there's so many magazines that I've never fucking heard of. That I guarantee when those designers and creative directors were in college, they were looking at Swindle Magazine 100%. And Mass Appeal has become Swindle Magazine, like, uh, aesthetically. But, you know, what can what can I say? We were great. <laughs> it was great. It was a great run. We did a, we did a uh, While You Were Sleeping book. You did? Yeah. With the call it The Worst Of. Okay. And, add, um, add because there's no best. <laughs> and uh, we lo- we talked to a lot of the people that we'd interviewed back then and were like really wanted them to be able to speak their piece about what they thought and didn't think. And, of course, a lot of people had a lot of fucked up things to say about what we did and didn't do, which is fine. You know, it was definitely a great, I think, uh, it was definitely a great time capsule of the times. Right. It You know, it was the Howard Stern America that, you know— Laughing at people, judging people, and, like, spitting on women, kind of. I mean, you know look, what I mean? Those were the times. I mean, it really was, though. Look what Vice was putting out. Vi- I'm not saying... Vice was look right every- up there. I mean, everybody was doing it. Look what Pop Smear was putting out. You know, what the fuck is Pop Smear? <laughs> you don't remember Pop Smear? No. I mean, even think about a magazine like Gear, then. You know? I don't know fucking Gear. Roger, I was fucking busy. Okay? <laughs> Reading magazines? No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was like more into like, you know, the face. There's a like, ray gun book that just came out or is about to come out. Ah, oh, that, that I'll look at. Yeah. All right. Awesome. That's I miss you. magazines though. I really do. And it's weird. I grab them when I see them, like, cause they'll have like issues in the subway and then I grab them. I'm like, I'm going to read this. And I never fucking do. It sits in my bag for three weeks. And then I'm like, let me bring it into the bathroom. I'll read it when I'm in the bathroom, and it just sits there until it gets. Oh, late. I've got a wired subscription just to keep them alive, and like, I just I'm constantly reading articles, and I realize oh, I just I fucking read this online already. 
I mean, I'm always I reading re- it on my phone. Too. I really enjoy so I really reading read a magazine. Point. I like to support them though. Yeah. And then I recently looked at a gossip magazine that I haven't looked at in like years, like one of those like us or okay magazines. And I was like, who are these people? <laughs> like, I was like, who fucking cares? Like, what? The- I, I love the gossip magazine. Do you? Do you, do you I, read magazines? Are I still, you buying I, magazines? I still buy and read some magazines, but I look at sites like TMZ probably 12 times a day. Do you really? TMZ. Yeah, I like knowing what's going on out there. Well, you're a Hollywood guy now, right? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting from to pop up on TMZ. That'll, <laughs> that'll make me feel important. Um. So, when are you going to be on TMZ? Um, n- that would be never. Come on. I only do my dirt like when they're like the cameras are off. <laughs> you ever hear the, they have these parties now where you have to like put your phone in a in a bag when you come that's my kind of fucking party <laughs> what are you gonna do at that party mm, baby don't you wanna know <laughs> somebody fucking invite me okay <laughs> like a new key party I know totally <laughs> somebody invite me somewhere salacious okay I have fucking I go to bed at nine um me too so what do you think what do you think brought down Small publishing and publishing in general. In my opinion, the internet brought down small publishing. All of the advertisers that supported the magazines wanted more content. They wanted video content and they wanted quicker content. And the larger publications from the Rolling Stone to the Vogue to you name it could afford to do entire departments dedicated to online. And the smaller magazines had a hard time keeping up with getting the issue to print and paying the printer and then getting their distribution and getting paid from their distributors. So everything really started going much more towards an online format. And the small publishers, I know I was one of them, could not afford to keep that online game up. And all of that advertising money that was put into these sort of blog magazines, right? All of that is gone now, and there's just whole sites creating content for advertisers, like Hypebeast or High Snobiety or Vogue even. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. Look at paper. Right. Look at, look at paper. Um, the magazines that survived were able to flip what they did into experiential media, which became a buzzword about 10 years ago. Right. Agency work. Advertorials right. and brand work, brand work, brand work to be able to sustain doing the magazine. And the magazine becomes the business card to do brand work. And so there's really nobody who like and maybe that's why there's such an influx of, of zines now, because people want that non-branded, non-advertising um, media. Exactly. Same thing happened with books. I mean, I've made in one way or the other, you know, probably 75 plus books at this point, uh, whether it's for a big publisher, we did it ourselves, you name it, a book we'd make five to 10,000 copies of a holiday season and blow them out. We now make 3000 copies and hope we sell in two or three years. The stores don't exist either. Is that really like what people Shit don't buy? Shit is dark. Huh. 
it is it is dark, but Amazon seems to be pumping books out. And what about Audible and all those? You know, you can't. How do you put an art book on fucking Audible or not easy? You know, <laughs> Wait, waiting for your salacious book. Your totally. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> New York this Times bestseller. You sit here and talk about a visual medium. A visual. Oh, think about it. I mean, it's the internet. The internet does that already. The inner what? You know, the internet. <laughs> I mean, where do you listen to this thing we're doing right now? It's uh, not for a magazine that's going in print that you buy at Tower Records. Straight to vinyl. This is a vinyl podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> vinyl picked up, though. Vinyls had some yeah. of its biggest Vinyl, right. Song. And people are, are like... Oh, it's bigger record- than ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know where the most vinyl sold now? From I could be wrong, but from what I read... Bethesda, Maryland. <laughs> yes, Bethesda, Maryland. Number Hardcore. one source of vinyl. Whole Foods and Urban Outfitters. Whole Foods? And Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters has a pretty reasonable record department. Really? Whole Foods, I haven't even seen it. I could be wrong. I read it. But if I read it on the internet, it's true, right? It is. You're right. So You're like, buy a jar of artisanal mushrooms, get a free record. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys, do you guys know that mushrooms are like the new wonder food and that you can cure anything by like a certain strain of mushroom? That's, that's what I'm reading these days. Did you, do you I know love about mushrooms. that? I love mm. mushrooms too, but they're saying that mushrooms have Magic this like. mushrooms? No, I'm not even talking about the drug mushrooms. Shout Are you out. sure? Yeah, I'm 100% because not talking about it. Because cure a lot of things. Yes, and the, the, right, they, right, they <laughs> say that like microdosing can cure depression and all this stuff. We're not talking about magic mushrooms. We're talking about different strains of mushrooms can supposedly cure cancer, cure um, bone ailments that this like there is a life force in mushroom, right? Because it can like grow anywhere with just water. Like, you know what I mean? There's like a life force in it that has like all these heels. So shout out to mushrooms. Yo. Now a word from our mushroom sponsor. <laughs> Insert ad here. <laughs> Green giant. Um. <laughs> and the, the Smurfs lived in giant mushrooms. They did. They had mushrooms. They did. So you can build houses. Totally. And if cure you're disease. <laughs> and trip. All of them. <laughs> Everything you need in one place. There was uh, growing up right outside Bethesda, Maryland in Washington, D.C., there was the mushroom house we would go visit. It was looked like fucking mushroom. Right, and would you paint yourself blue and like saying no, 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 no? You have to wait for the book. Yeah, um, indeed, indeed. <laughs> I've seen the, in LA. There's a little mushroom like village. In I, I think it's in it. like Atwater Village or something like it's or like it's or like Glendale area. Like there's so like a little. Yeah, you need to get in. There. You're like, how much for your mushroom? I like to live in your mushroom, yo. Um, so after small publishing collapse, Swindle disbanded, you were working on books. What is your sort of, I mean, you've always put together shows and been um, a curator, editor-in-chief of this culture, but when did the sort of shift to... Well, you've done films. You've done so much. So, like, what? I've done a lot of crap. What's your favorite thing to do? My favorite thing to do? Yeah, for work, for work, for work. (laughs) My favorite thing to do was go to the post office on Seven Locks Road, get that cat money, then go to the pizza spot. But I can't do that anymore. That was your happy place. That was my happy place. Life was so easy then. Right. Yeah. 
Sure, there must be there, there must be like there must be a special cap that you could make that you know do it just for the girls or something like pink one or something. <laughs> There's a lot of girls who write graffiti. I would love to have There's, just a completely just pink cap bag. But wouldn't that be, like, be sexist hey. if we just made pink caps for women? Now? No, uh, not when you're working against the system. Okay, <laughs> and who said boys can't use them? You because you just said for women. I mean. Why does it have to be pink? No. Because <laughs> you said it. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, what do you see uh, the future for Beyond the Streets? What is your plan? Oh, hold on. Let me answer your question. What's what's happy right now um, in L.A. and in New York? Watching the audience walk through the show has made me really happy. It's not... A bunch of kids that you would expect that are waiting in line at Supreme to buy something. Nothing wrong with those kids. I hope they come too. And it's not um, just Ew. a bunch of dirty graffiti boys that I know you love, Claudia. Shout out to my dirty graffiti boys. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> It's a lot of adults. It's people on first dates. It's literally an entire generation of a family. The baby in the stroller, the mom, and the grandparent. Uh, everyone's Brad's walking coming. Through. Brad's bringing his cousins and his children. Everyone's coming with entire families, and they're all enjoying themselves. And so many times I've talked to people and heard, I traveled here from Ohio. We flew in from Japan to see this. Or I haven't been to something in so long that my entire family likes. Like me and my boyfriend always argue about where we're going to go and never like the same museum or this or that. And so it's been really nice seeing so many people be able to enjoy themselves in a place we created based off this culture. That's a real answer. Yeah, I agree. But are you going to take it anywhere else? Do you know? Yeah, of? do you? Well, I know he, he has plans. Oh, okay. We got some plans. Okay. Well, they talk about it, right? That's like in your sort it. of, yeah. right, like no, a travelable th- show. This show's twice as big as the show was in L.A. 80% of the work is new. So it's not like we just throw the work in some crates and go pop up a new show. You know, each show is really site-specific and new work for each show. But there'll be more. Bethesda, that's, Maryland, next. I mean, Bethesda, that's really Maryland, cool, 2020. Because that's not usually the way it is with, with a traveling show. Right, it's usually the same crap. It's a brilliant way to do it because, you know. Keeps it fresh, Brad. You can keep the same people flying around chasing you, too. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. It's not the same show as in L.A. You got to come You gotta yeah. come to New York to see it. Um, you, saw, you saw both shows. I, yeah, I was, I was in both shows. It's, it's funny to me, though. Just because I'm a New Yorker. In L.A., it was the cultural event of, like, the season. And New York, it's just one of the many things that go on. Because it's just New York, and New York has just so much shit. But in L.A., it was, like, the only thing to see. Because they they just are thirsting for art and culture. I mean, not that there isn't. I'm not, you know. New York Magazine came out yesterday of shit to do this summer. We're number 23. Should be number fucking four. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, New York Magazine. Erica Faith Allen, where are you? <laughs> you know she's the she works for the cut. No. Oh, that's our baby from Swindler intern. Yeah. Um, shout out to Erica Faith Allen. I think actually she left and she's at Vice now. You go, girl. So do she's your down thing. the street from the space. She's down the street. I'm sure. Where's, she'll, our, where's our Vice article? Um, I'm texting her as we speak. No, um, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Who is your favorite graffiti artist? You. I mean, yeah. obviously, every, everyone says yes. that who comes on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like, if you were going to narrow it down, and I know it must be a difficult per- thing to answer in your position because you work with so many artists and no one get butt hurt. But it has to be fucking Blade, doesn't it? I make everybody say this, right? <laughs> Isn't it Blade? It's my oh, Blade. For course. me, it's Blade. It's always Blade. Conceptual genius. Nobody fucking painted like that. Took it to the next level, don't you think? He's a great artist. He's a great artist and like... Great train painter. The idea of that coming from dreams... Because like, I don't... I You know what? Did I you have, learn about I have the, t-shirt ideas and dreams. Did you I learn know. about that in the book? Um, in his, in his weird book that he made for folklore, did you ever read that book? It's a very hard to find book that they made. Yes. The... What about just the Blade Blade book? Oh, I have that book, King yeah. of Graffiti. I love that book. He talks about the dreams a lot in it. He talks about the dreams in that. Our but... friend Chris Pape wrote that book. Yes, he did. Shout I... out, shout out to Freedom. I edited it. Yeah. It's a, it's one of the best books. Because there is so much storytelling in it. Yeah. I And that's a lot of times there. Um, there's a lot of visuals. There's a real story. If you read the Blade book, there's a real story to it. It's not just I painted graffiti on this line, this line, and this line. That almost is secondary compared to what's going on in his life. And it's graffiti is just a character that's constantly taking place. Well, don't you find that really like somebody who has a normal life and is a graffiti writer isn't completely defined by graffiti and kind of the people that are sort of are a little little bit sad. That's a little bit of a sad story. It can become a bit of a sad story, yes. Um, just be an ingredient in the in the meal. It doesn't have to be the in, the entire appetizer. But who okay? is my favorite graffiti writer? I don't honestly have a real answer for that i get asked that a lot there's a lot of artists graffiti artists i, love, I mean you can but, change your mind like yeah. that's what i think like today it's blade and tomorrow it's is the whiz or something you know what i mean like you don't have to be married to like to me i think like blade changed the perception of what graffiti was and what graffiti could be and the idea of sort of using this fantastical, like, dream, like, space, like, future imagery um, was so, you know, revolutionary to what else was going on. And then it inspired thousands and thousands of people. It's also hard to judge. You could look at hip-hop music to any kind of music of, do you like something from the 1980s? Do you like something from 1978? Do you like because the styles change and what it's doing to the culture changes? So you don't have a favorite rapper? No. So here's a better you. question. I do. Big Daddy Kane. You're the my favorite. You're my favorite oh, rapper I am, too. I am. Yeah, here's you're a my better question. Rapper. You find a 14 year old kid and it's got a cool tag, and you're like, "That's great, kid. Go check out this artist. This will this will show you what what the next level is for that." But I don't Who's think that artist that 14 year old doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> they don't give a fuck about referencing that. They see what they see on the street and then they're like, I want to scroll my name like that. That 14 year old would probably like a blade book because it's just showing more and more and right. more and illegally writing on shit. But that 14 year old kid doesn't want to see where he Boy. can go with art. <laughs> that 14 year old kid wants some fat caps and some more free spray paint. Right. And be able to like sort of self-actualize. Right. The actualizer. 
<laughs> actuators. Actuators. All right. <laughs> oh, the actuators. That's a good name for a band. A hardcore band. It's certainly been done. It has to have been done. It's a good one, right? It is good. Uh, come on, let's let's join. Let's make one. <laughs> we're we're going to have a hardcore show at Beyond the Streets. You are? Yeah. I will not be there. <laughs> but Brad might. Brad who's, loves that bullshit. Who's playing? Judge. Oh, wow. There'll be a lot of men with an extra chromosome there. Ladies, stay <laughs> away. <laughs> you know there's like a type of male that has an extra Y chromosome and um, they have certain physical characteristics and it's, I can't say them because it totally sounds like mean and judgmental, but you guys should Google it. It's super bizarre and a lot of them love hardcore music. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a thing. I'm sure they love pizza too. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Um... So you have lots of other programming going on at the show besides just seeing the show. How can you get a schedule for that? We have no schedule for it. We announce it randomly online. Okay. So if you guys want to keep up with what's going on, make sure you go to Beyond the Streets Art. Beyond the Streets Art. The Instagram is where we announce the events. They are almost always free. We announce a ticket code. The first X amount of people Ooh, amazing. that go in get to go to the event. We there did you it go. In LA. It's we think a nice fair way to do it. You hear you heard it here first. Stay in touch with what's going on via their Instagram. We had a good event with Steve Powers and Black Thought the other day. Uh who? <laughs> <laughs> I just sent you uh I probably just sent you the invite to the Mark Gonzalez thing. Uh, oh, skateboarding? Yeah. Ugh, I hate skateboarders. No, no, I love them. You we're, know, that's my people. We're raising money for the Harold Hunter Foundation to send kids to camp. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. nice. <laughs> you know, RIP Harold Hunter, but he really, like, no. How about no? I'm not a fan, okay? But all my boys are, so shout out to all my peeps that love Harold Hunter. May you rest in peace. Guy threw, like, a bottle at me once. Really? Yeah, that's some never forgive shit, yo. When uh, I was doing the door at Babyland. Wow. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's rough. Forever beef, sorry. Um, so you will not be coming to that event. Cam, I Ron, mean, Cam you know Ron's what? hosting it. Oh, that's my boy. That That's my baby. <laughs> Do you know I went to Beyond Streets with my son and he was <laughs> he was going wild and just like running around because, you know, he's eight. And Roger's like, you know, that's like hundred thousand dollars, like off of that. Yeah, and I was like, don't worry, I was running. like, don't worry, he's not going to touch it. Like he's really good. Like he's good at zigging and zagging. But then other children see it and they run. The he, broken windows theory of children running in museums. That. But yeah, no, a hundred percent. And then I was like, oh, let me calm him down and go to the gift shop. And he like wouldn't leave until I like bought him like five things. It was so annoying because it was like, come on, come on. And he was just like going to throw like. A bitch fit. Oh, I have one of those fucking eight-year-olds. Too. What is up with them? <laughs> Earn your own goddamn money. Look at Roger starting a goddamn business as a teenager. Shit it. I ain't got any kids. <laughs> well, good. You can have mine. Um, <laughs> I got a dog. Yes. How is your dog? Does your dog like New York? 
My dog likes, yeah, Zoe's having fun in New York. She's uh, roams around the show and just kind of lays down randomly because she's fucking lazy and everyone walks and over and pets And it's a nice, a cool, dog? yeah, she's a, she's a labby. She's uh, a black lab. Big but, black lab. The best. But she loves that, like, cold concrete. Dogs love that. They're like, ah. Mm. Oh, she you flew know. on the airplane here. Really? Yeah. Did she have her own seat? She had her own seat. Really? Yeah. You're allowed to, like, bring your dog and have them sit? She couldn't sit on the seat, but we got her own seat, so she had a lot of leg room to lay on the ground. Now, uh, usually— got extra leg room seats. Let me ask you something, because I haven't flown with a dog in a long time. It used to be like they have to be under a certain weight, and you have to, like, shove them underneath a, uh, the seat Zoe's in front of you. a service dog. Ah. She provides a lot of love and affection and many other things. She services Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, to your, shout out to your beautiful girlfriend as well, who's um, tirelessly working on the show as well. She is. Um, she brought Zoe here. What are you going to do when you pack up and leave New York? Do you have plans? Are you going to take a vacation? Going to like Bali? What's that word? Vacation. Vacation? What does that mean? I know you're not big on vacation. I'm not into va- Vacations are boring. Maybe like half a day and I'm done. They're not boring. Yeah. I like shitty, big urban cities that are falling apart, roaming around them, but, eh, I'll just go on to the next thing. You're not, you don't love to go in, like, a pool, Fuck drink no. a delicious, like, mm, fruity beverage. I like fruity beverages. Yeah, no, I know yeah. you do. I like a root beer. I had a root beer uh, last night. Mm. It's not fruity, that's soda. No. <laughs> you like, it's a root, it's a root I vegetable. I a root beer float. Mm. I was never that into a root beer float. I like my ice cream is if I get like a brownie sundae or something, I don't like how the ice cream often melts over the heated that's brownie. That's what that's, that's the point. That's the I don't point. Like it. So I get the <laughs> it's ice like a cream. Vanilla sauce. I get the ice cream on the side. Okay. You want your ice cream cold but do you, and yes. never do you runny mix and melt? Them on the spoon right. though, so that you get. To do you, yeah. Do you do a double ma- bite? Both in your mouth. Yeah, yeah. I'll do a double bite, but I want. I don't you don't want, want a melted. I don't want to melt it. Especially if they make it and it sits there for a few minutes before they bring it over. Like, uh, I want my ice cream like firm. Uh, if I'm going to get a smoothie, <laughs> if I'm going to get a milkshake, I want it to be real thick, too. Okay. Make sure his milkshakes are thick. Yeah. Make sure his root beers are fruity. Okay? That's all I have to say about Roger's vacation. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you're not going on vacation. You're going back to work. What are you going back to work on? I haven't figured it out yet. I got a couple book projects we're finishing right now. I have a couple film projects we're tinkering with. Okay. About- that history of American Graffiti book we made a while ago, the publisher just kept making it smaller and smaller and smaller. So we've been rewriting it. Okay. And it's, uh, you know, a city like Cleveland that was 800 words, it's 4,000 now. So we've been going into every city that we covered in that book, re-interviewing people, rechecking the transcripts, and trying to tell more of the history from the beginning to around the mid to late 90s of those cities. So I don't know when the hell that will ever come out because it's a lot of shit to do, but we've been working on that. Jesus, that's a huge endeavor. Do you think that there could ever be a comprehensive book about graffiti that covers all, or is it still being told with political allies? What's your definition of political allies? Well, I I had a, a long I, I often ask people about is our you know like be careful who's reporting history, right? 
Because, for instance, if I was writing a book, there would be a lot of people omitted <laughs> that actually mattered, but they didn't matter to necessarily to me, and I maybe dislike them. Because they threw a bottle at you. <laughs> they threw, I mean, there have been more than one. Uh, yes, and you shall not be in my book. <laughs> or maybe you will. Who knows? I don't know. I'm pretty fair. But... um. Do you think that somebody who's completely like neutral could come in? Because, for instance, you have your friends, you have your could come in and do what? Write the book? Can can history can culture be reported on accurately without political affiliations? Do you think? Just in general, it's almost it makes almost it impossible, right? It makes it much harder, right? There's no unbiased history. There is no unbiased history. Yeah, it's like they say, it's written by the the victors, the right, the right, 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 right. I, I've written several histories of different cities, and I've done my best to tell them and not be too judgmental. Right. And when I go into cities that I honestly don't know too much about, I really see how people try to erase other people from it. Correct. So I do my best to interview as many people as I can from as many sides. And then come up with my best version of what seems like the truth from the research, from the photos that exist, from other documentation that exists that might have just been the news. Okay. And do the best I can. But well, I mean, the you is, as the outsider, you probably are closer to being objective. You asked me earlier, though, someone like Revs and Cost, why are they omitted from the show? Because I think if they're I like was, the missing link. They're the missing link between but they like don't what. Be, Right. But they don't want to be in this show. This show is not a history show, so right, it's right, okay. Right. Neither one of them went on to have big studio practices. Mm-hmm. That's not what the show's about. You know, we do put in a, every 10th, 15th exhibit like a cool ephemeral historical piece to remind you where you are. But if I'm writing a huge book on the history of graffiti, whether revs and cost want to return my call and be part of an interview or not, there's more than enough written about them to make sure they're included in it. Sure, sure, sure. No, I I get that. I'm... I think, especially with graffiti writers, everybody loves to bitch and complain. Everybody loves to point a finger. You forgot this guy. Oh, Always. you forgot. And I mean, I kudos, eight- kudos to you to have to like deal with all that bullshit. Because- I had some 18-year-old kid in there the other day on a VIP tour complaining to me about people not being in the show. You're like claws in the stairway, okay? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> and then I threw a bottle at him. Keeping a gangster. First V2 is launched. We're relaunched. You're relaunched. That's I'm a real, great it's like relaunch. A, oh, we're like officially back in the saddle. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, good. I'm I'm glad you like it, Brad. <laughs> you seem to be very easy to please. If everybody could be like Brad, bring it. <laughs> so we should say there are a few days left to see this show. The show is fucking great. You should go check it out. If you're in the New York area, you should definitely go see it. It's, it's a must-see. It's, it's a must-see. It's Whether you're into graffiti or not, I think you're going to like this show. I mean, it's art. It's art. Yeah, it and just it's not— is, it, it doesn't need to necessarily be, like, relegated to graffiti. But it's I think freaking the, art. No, no, yo. and the presentation is really unique. It's not, it's not like, going to a, a shitty, stuffy, like— gallery and soho like it's fun it's really fun and you can bring the kids it's whatever it's great it's a great show yeah so it's beyond the streets.com right beyond the streets art on instagram 
And Roger Gassman on Instagram. Uh, Roger Gassman on Roger. and right in R Rock Enterprises if you want to find out about books and other events and stuff. Keep listening. We'll we'll keep you informed of all Roger, all Roger news all the time. <laughs> we'll just have a Roger briefing every show. Uh, and of course, Claw & Co. for claw money items. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, if you want to buy some crap, Claw & Co. You should go buy it. Uh, Crapola. And if you want to get sent some surprise crap, we're working on a Patreon account. Oh, yeah. Gold like, mines. If you are if you know anything about Patreon, you, you know the way it works. But if you don't, go to uh, Patreon. And support our show. Yeah, you can get swag. Yes, we, we are working on some mystery boxes of swag. You will be pleasantly surprised <laughs> if you donate and support our show and become our patrons. Right. You know what? There's going to be bonus content. We're, kind of, we just, we're just starting this, so... It may be a little lean now, but hopefully there'll be, you know, exclusive content that you're not going to be able to get from Claudia's overexposed Instagram account. <laughs> follow my Instagram. It's good. And follow my store's Instagram. Claw money. Claw money. Claw money on Instagram and Claw and Co. for the store, which is a bunch of us posting funny shit. Uh, and how about that music? Oh, yes. And what about our, the, the illustrious Soundwag? Oh, the music! The music for the show. Oh, I'm well, sorry. You already got the soundwag. Yeah, that's my website, soundwag.com. If you like the way this sound, this show sounds. And shout out to Bubbles NYC we, we, for for the tunes on Gold. The lines. awesome music. The awesome music. Bubbles is great. Yes, shout out to Bubbles. Uh, and let's give a shout out to the uh, Magic Mermaid. Oh, Ariel. <laughs> to is that our, the mermaid name? Yeah. Okay, Ariel. She is. Our little our, mermaid. Our little mermaid, Ariel Franklin. She is our... She's keeping, keeping Our junior producer. Going. It's very exciting. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and Tim and Stephanie here at ACAST. Um, Thank shout, you. Yes, and shout out to all of you who are listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.